Hi folks, I'm Green taking another section of the color pie. Alex. And I'm the fractal token you'll never pull, Chase. And this is Scry7, the magic news and culture podcast that doesn't curl, it hugs. I wrote that one. I wrote that one. I'm ex- I was. You could tell I wrote that one. I was very proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It yes, was really thank good. You. How are you doing this week, Chase? Good. It's not like we talk at all. Never. <laughs> never. never I don't even know who you are. Um, I'm really excited because uh, we had really bad internet issues, so we couldn't do an episode last week, which made me feel really, really, really bad. Um, but I'm really excited for this week because we actually have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, a lot of really good stuff, like some really positive and exciting stuff. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it, but much better than what we had planned for last week, which was just a bunch of, wow, good job, wizards. So I'm glad we actually kind of got to skip that it, one. It was a little serendipitous that my internet decided to not work during a week where consistently bad things happened. So I yeah. call it a, I call it a win on, on this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll track that up as a dub. That's for sure. Oh yeah. But Describe to me how your last weekend went. Uh, good. I uh, participated uh, as a leader for Lorehold in the Strixhaven pre-release party, which was super fun. Um, it was I uh, was sponsored by Watsy, which was um, terrifying and exciting, and I loved it. And I got to play um, Sealed, which I, uh, shocking news, am not good at. <laughs> and I got to play one game of Commander. Um and I got to say that that game of Commander was probably the most fun I had all night because um, all of my opponents played pre-cons and I played the Lorehold pre-con and my pre-con popped off so well. It was so much fun. I remember at one point I caught the stream and you activated, I think it was Ozgear targeting your own Sol Ring in your graveyard while he had those new bracers on. Yes. So you ended up with four token Sol Rings I on the field. Did. I also ended up with four token Meteor Golems, so I was able to kind of pinpoint destroyed stuff on the battlefield, which was also great. And with um, Alibu, um, who I made the commander for that deck, I prefer them to Oscar, I was able to deal at one moment towards the end of the game 26 damage to one person and scry 26 so i call that a pretty a pretty good moment um i am normally not a boros person i think i've talked about that many times before um but lorehold captured me with this set because it's so different uh, in flavor and um Mm. I love weird artifact decks, and Alibu is perfect for me. So I am very happy about that. I am also extremely happy about Alibu. I'm planning on also building her, as you're well aware. Him? Her? Them. Them? them. I'm going to go with they, them pronouns, because when I checked the Wikipedia, uh, there was no listed pronouns. Also, as a statue made of what looks like bronze? I was going to say sure like clay. Really clay. Yeah, okay, Remember sure. when I likened them to butterscotch? It was a good time. Yes. Yeah. They do have that Werther's original feel. I want to crunch on them. Just like, wow. like in hand, head like a titan <laughs> from Attack on Titan. Just, wow. Just, just destroy a family by eating alabaster. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it, at, at times, Alamu does feel like a bit of a sniper monkey. Um, what with the uh, just massive shots that you were sending everyone's way. I think at one point I saw you scry and deal 16 damage. Sorry, scry 16, which is even more than the name of the show. Mm-hmm. And the name of the show was supposed to be hyperbole at the first point. <laughs> yes. But you scryed 16 and shot someone for 16, which I think is just insanity. It is really good. Uh, the power behind that commander deck is phenomenal. Um, what's that uh, artifact that kind of land taxes? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Archaeomancer's Mask? Uh, that card is, uh, when I say busted, I don't mean broken. I mean, it is good. It's busted good. Um, love it. I love um, the the... Powered down smothering tithe. I don't know the name of it. I like it. Uh, are you talking about uh, the three mana? Um, oh shoot! Now I can't. Think the of the throwing name. up white ramp spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that one a lot. Rimini. Yeah. Um, give me just a second. I, I I have it here on my desk somewhere. I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I know what you're talking about. It's it's like about uh, passing notes in class or something like that, and the teacher yells. Yeah, at yeah, them. yeah. And he's throwing up gems. Yeah, just more treasures, but I don't know if... So, my, I guess my point on this is something that I actually saw um, Pleasant Kenobi make, in that I think it's fine. I don't think it's a bad card, but it is in no way, in my opinion, uh, the same as... Um, the same as uh, Smothering Tide. Well, that's why and I like Monologue it. Tax. Monologue Tax is the name of it. Yeah, I think it's a definitively powered down. That's version. why I like it because it. Uh, if you say that at a commander table, it's it's a much more fair spell. And as someone who loves Smothering Tide and runs Smothering Tide, I like that it is more fair. It, it leads to those really nice um, lower power games that I honestly really prefer. Um, mm. where you where you're not going a uh, tunnel vision. Oh my god, I gotta get rid of that. It just allows for really interesting games to unfold, and I like that. Um, I think they could have been more aggressive with the value that you're getting, considering mm-hmm. that the triggering effect is your opponent essentially getting to getting to their game plan. Because by the time in commander, someone's casting two spells a turn, they're probably far enough ahead that you having one additional mana isn't going to be the thing that's going to fix it for you. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally get where you're coming from in terms of the smothering tithe dilemma. Because I feel like smothering tithe is, in a lot of ways, smothering and kind of goes over the top. Whereas uh, monologue tax is definitely fairer. I just don't think it's impactful in the same way. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's good enough to take up a card slot at three mana do nothing sit on the board. So that's that's why I, for my end and the way I play, I just don't know if it's going to make it. I know it's going to be in my Negan deck because it's a treasure token deck, so it fits. Um, right. I also really like Laelia, the Blade Reforged, uh, which is the mono red legendary spirit warrior in there. I really like that card. Um, Haste. Whenever they attack, you exile the top card of your library and you may play that card until this turn. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or your graveyard, you put a 1-1 counter on them. I just really like that. It gets really big and it's like a good way to do stuff in red. Part of me wants to put this in Chandra just because it's like, you know, fast, fast, fast. I like it. Um, Well, and it also plays very, very well with impulse draws that we're seeing in red more and more often these days, right? Because if you're exiling those cards off of your library, like it says on Act on Impulse or some of those new Chandra cards, I think that'll do really well. Uh, um, I, I do think they could have been a little bit riskier and said for each card that you exile this way, because as it's written, if you exile one card, you get one. If you exile 20 cards, you get one. I'm not sure how I play feel about that. On the other hand, though, she does Impulse Draw herself when she attacks, so 
maybe that's a little bit more fair. I, I really can't say. I do also want to say to the people listening that I know Alex and I are only talking about the lore hold deck, but we literally, that, that was the only one we bought. I was really drawn to this deck, so I picked it up. Um, I know that the professor has a really good video out about these pre-cons that I think you guys should watch if you're interested in picking one up. I am in love with this lore hold deck. Um, and one last card that I know I want to talk about, and you mentioned it briefly, is that the bracers. The bracers are so good. I really love the battle mages bracers in here. I was able to do so many good stuff in this deck. I was able to um, revive Oskir with um, uh, with a Felden, and I played Felden first. Then I attached the bracers to give Felden haste. Then I was able to get Oskir back put the bracers on Oscar to do his tap and exile ability with my graveyard again. So it's just, it's, it's just, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. It seems, seems like a fairly well put together deck. Uh, the other one I've actually recommended to a couple of friends that are getting back into the game with this set was the Quandrix one, uh, simply because Quandrix seems to be wildly overpowered and limited right now. Uh, the few drafts and the few seals I've played in, it seems like Quandrix big tokens just kind of, runs away with the game if you don't have removal. And even if you do have removal, it's still pretty hard. I do have to say that looking at these decks, like I think that the in the past, a lot of these commander precons have been, um, you pick them up and you really only want a couple cards out of them. I actually find myself really struggling to take things out of these decks past like, a, a, a couple of big spells I know I would never play. Um, I think that these are just so beautifully built this time around. They feel very playable. They're very playable out of pack, um, out of out of plastic cardboard, technically. Um, which, by the way, the cardboard um, uh, packaging packaging was very yeah. surprised about that. Don't like the etched foiling thick because etched foiling I posted on Twitter really thick, and the uh, etched foiling on my card doesn't look that great. Um, but you know. It is what it is. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I've, I've especially with the collector booster box that I opened the other day, uh, seeing what they said is etch foiling was a little disappointing. I know we mm -hmm. talked about it a couple of weeks back when we first learned about it. I, I'd really like to see them do more of the etched foiling that they did in Legends. I think that looked great. Mm -hmm. They don't curl. It has a lot of quality to it. I really want to see more of that. Uh, but I would imagine that the earliest we'd see more of that is going to be sometime next year. I will say this. When we talk about like the etch foiling that they had in the collector's set, logistically, it makes sense to have those parts be that way. It, it makes sense to me. I think it would have gone over better if they called it gilded. Yeah, like maybe just uh, filigree. detail foiling. Yeah, yeah filigree. filigree. Yeah, something something besides etched because etched had already been sort of associated with, with that full with card the full, Yes, and this is just yeah. like I went. I actually was watching you and Jim open up your collector's boosters, and I was like, "Oh wait, there's etched foils." And I actually went back to because I bought one collector's booster pack, and I opened. I went through my pack, and I was like, "Oh whoa, that wasn't etched," and I completely forgot because I didn't even notice. It's so unnoticeable. I was uh, browsing around for some singles I'm picking up for my Pioneer deck because I want them to all be uh, matched with the uh, Defiant Strikes that I opened last night. And uh, the one I opened was an Esh Foil, and they're literally the same price as the non-Esh Foil ones. So I, it doesn't look like they're going to have much value or much premium on them. But 
that's where that's at. Uh, I, w- I will say that uh, playing the few rounds of Limited that I've played, that this feels like a bit of a miss compared to Kaldheim. Uh, the few Kaldheim drafts I played were a little bit more interactive. They felt a little bit more balanced, like there was something to do in each of the colors, whereas this time around it does kind of feel like three-color good stuff, so long as your good stuff has both removal and big stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I'm super on board with that, especially as good as some of the uh, Quandrix cards are and how easy they are to splash. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, there's the uh, six mana, create a fractal token with X11 counters where X is the lands you control. And especially in limited, that just reads, you know, get a 7-7, seven, seven, get an 8-8. Eight, eight. Oh, I... It's, it's just... Over the top. I played in in the pre-release uh, the party against a, a guy, and you can go to my Twitch and, and see it. It's still there. Um, he played. I, I kid you not. It was like the most pristinely made lands deck. Um, the Simic Legendary Girl. Sorry, the Quandrix Legendary Girl. I don't remember mm. her name. One that gets a, a land onto the battlefield. He yeah. had that card. He had um, that legendary uh, Quandrix Flip, the one where you could like. The one that you know what I'm talking about? It's a mythic. I don't don't remember, but it was really good because it was a land. It was like a land stack. And he he was literally like, I have never seen it function this well. I'm like, this is a, this is a, I I, I was like, I love your commander deck. It was killing me. (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah, especially out of a seed pool with that kind of quality to it. It just feels aggressive, you know? And I, 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 I gotta be honest, I was a little disappointed in watching some of the Strixhaven party folks uh, with their streaming, because it did feel like a few of their opponents were... I'm not trying to accuse anybody of cheating here, but especially by Sunday, it did feel like the decks I was seeing in that event were extremely well-tuned and very aggressive, and it it just felt like it got very powerful very quickly, uh, which I'm I'm a little bit sad about, because I feel like a more casual more light-hearted vibe for that entire event would have been better but that being said i really do like that wizards was trying something especially now that they've gotten rid of uh the preview um stuff on arena so i hope this is something that we see more of more often especially now that people have all these webcam setups at home to play magic i think i agree with you i think that was actually a kind of smart move on their part while i do know a lot of people and i mean a lot of people were really disappointed about the early access event um there's just something about watching paper play that hits different. Yeah, overall, I think Strixhaven's pretty good. I, I think it's got a lot of quality. I don't see how much of it's going to come into standard just simply because of the power of Eldrain. But I think once Eldrain rotates this fall, we'll probably see more of these cards become more relevant. Um, that being said, I think one of the other big pieces of news that we saw this week was the announcement of a new Secret Lair Super Drop. I was actually really surprised about this. Um, I mean... The concept of secret lairs is getting to be a little stale for me, and I do mean just a little bit. Um, but we have some really interesting drops coming from this. We got shocks, which I was actually really surprised to see with really cool new art. We also got full text lands. So not just no arts like in Theros Beyond Death, but every relevant piece of rules that applies to lands appears to be on these lands. And there's actually nothing about them that is including any more relevant or newsworthy pieces on any of them other than the fact that they spell out every single aspect of what you can do and what the land is on the land itself. I think this was a meme that I've seen posted on Reddit years ago. Yes, Like almost down to the letter. But my particular favorite piece of this is twofold. First, 
it says that tapping a land for mana is a full 90 degree rotation. So all y'all out there at 45 or over or under or anything else get wrecked. It's in the rules now. Thank God. I'm. I do. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I agree. Like I've I've had people where I've been playing games of Commander. And I'll cast something and they'll be like, oh, I counter that. And I'm like, how can I tell? Your lands are askew. They are not tapped. It just gets a little bit annoying when you can't represent your game state very mm-hmm. well. Uh, the second thing I really like about them is that they combo with, at least they seem to, with an uncard, Alexander Clamilton, mm-hmm. which uh, I think if we did the math on him correctly, gives 22 uh, bonus power if you had one of these on the top of your library. Um, the other things that are in there are some sort of local band poster cards. I think it's called The Show is on Friday. Our, our show is on Friday. Can you make it? Along with some extra showcase uh, cards from Strixhaven. Uh, in this case, all using the uh, Mystical Archive frame. Yes. Um, I. Th- <sighs> Here's the deal. I can appreciate these with n- knowing f- full and well I will not be purchasing any of these. Um, the full text lands, I love. I just don't feel like I want to spend the money on that uh, because the full bundle for that is what, like 200 and something dollars? Did you say 240 Yeah, it's 240 for 10 of each of the non-foils. And I think it was something like 300 for the foil? 320 Yeah, 320 for the foil ones. And so that isn't even really truly a draft playset. Generally speaking, for that, you're going to want about... 15 cards of each and so you're gonna have to buy two so you're gonna be five hundred dollars in to run full text basic lands yeah which, okay i guess um looking at the art show is on friday i love the art and i can appreciate the art um wrath of god is really cool looks like a red card um and i love the gamble because i like gamble um i would buy the single of gamble but I wouldn't buy any of the other cards. Um, the shocks are really pretty, but none of them make me go, I desperately need this. Like, I think the um, Boros shock is beautiful, and the uh, Rakdos shock, which is done by Seb McKinnon, looks really good. Um, but past that, I just... I'll say this. At least the shocks are a good value. I mean, essentially 10 bucks a shock is a good rate for any shock simply because they're one of those perennially useful cards. You're never going to feel bad about having, you know, shock lands around. And if I remember correctly, they actually were offering a bundle just on those two, if I remember correctly. I need to see if I can find it. Yeah, the super shock bundle. So you can get uh, one of each of the sets, which will include uh, one of each of the enemy colors and two of each of the ally color shocks, if I remember correctly. For 120 bucks. I do have to say, uh, my favorite thing about the shocks is that they're very, very distinctly on different planes. Um, Stomping Grounds is on Tarkir, uh, featuring a flavor text from Surak, and we even see, I want to say that's a Tarka in the art. Um, the Rakdos Land features um, the Markov <laughs> Mansion, <laughs> which, by the way, baller mansion and i really want to see more depictions like this in that upcoming vampire set that i won't shut up about the the golgari one is on the plane that queen marchessa's on because i totally know the plane that that's called um, uh fiora i think is called for uh for conspiracy sick uh then you got 
Uh, Temple Garden featured on Theros. I just want to list all these because I think it's really cool. You got Sacred Foundry on Kaladesh. Um, there's a lot of these. Oh, my God. We got a lot of fetches. Yeah, there's yeah. 10 of them. Yeah, don't be mad at me. Um, the Thran. That's Dominaria, right? Thran is on Dominaria. Uh, the Steam yeah. Vents is on Dominaria. And then Watery Grave is in um, the one with the pirates that I don't remember. Ixalan. Ixalan. <laughs> I think that's all of them. Please don't be mad at me if I missed one. Um, oh, yeah. No, I missed one. Uh, it is the Simic one, which is uh, Jinkitaxi's Phyrexia. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's gross. When Jinkitaxi's ingenuity meets Vorinclex's inhumanity. Ooh. Mm. That's cool. A little bit. Yeah. Little bit oh, and the Azorius one, I'm so sorry, I forgot another one, is not gonna lie. Don't under don't know. What's Valor's Reach? Do you know where that is? Valor's Reach. I've never even heard of that. Sick. Okay. We know exactly what we're talking about. I'm going to guess uh um Theros and call it a day. <laughs> Sure, that's that sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if I actually had to guess, actually, uh, Valor's Reach is probably a new Kaldheim thing because I did not pay attention Doesn't to Kaldheim look more at all. Kaldheimish, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. Kaldheimish, Kaldheimian. I stamp on my statement. Kaldheimese. There we go. Uh, anyway, folks, uh, let's see. What are we up to? Oh, the chase card. Wow, we've got a heck of a chase card this week. One of my favorites. New from Strixhaven, it's Strict Proctor. Uh, Strict Proctor is a two mana, sorry, two mana value, uh, one three with flying, and whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes an ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two, which I think is just a real nifty card. Um, I really like this design space they've been going more into for white and along with ward. Uh, which was that new keyword that we saw in Strixhaven that has basically hexproof unless you pay for it. And this basically is stacks unless you pay for it, which I really like because one of the biggest issues that I think a lot of players have with stacks cards or stacks strategies is the fact that the game warps around them and it basically can completely shut off folks' decks. I think Strict Proctor specifically is a great card because it doesn't completely shut down legitimate things like one-off triggers here and there so long as you remember to keep some mana open but what it does do is it does shut down infinite combos it shuts down ridiculous loops and things like that and i think that's a really good design space for watsi to explore for the new version of white and stacks i i would like to see more of this moving forward and that and i think two mana for a three one flyer is just good i also think it's just it i agree with what you said but i also think it like it, it, it says the same thing about that other white throw-up spell, I don't remember the name of, um, that I think it makes a much more level playing field, you know? Oh, you're talking about monologue tax? Yeah, or? I'm going to call it the white throw-up card, because <laughs> that's all I can think of when I see it. Um, but I really think it kind of levels the playing field in a really good way that, you know, it, it can... You, can, you can definitely abuse it and be like, counter, 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 but it's... You know, I think it leads to a really good good uh, playing field for people. So I like it. Yeah, I think my favorite part about it is that it has that modularity that isn't like this has to be removed. Otherwise, your game plan's invalid. And I think that's the right spot to hit for stacks moving forward. I'd like to see more of these types of things. 
That being said, I don't want it to always be two mana. I'd like it to be some other more interesting things moving forward, like maybe a particularly powerful one might say uh, if you control more creatures than uh, you know this object's controller, ignore this only if you sacrifice a creature or something like that. You know, some of those more balanced type effects that, uh, you know, White gets into, I think that'd be good. And I think that kind of uh, winds us into our final topic of conversation, which is a weird one. For me, I feel like it's a weird one because it's more of like, I don't want to use the word debate, but like an open-ended question on the essay known as uh, magic. Um Recently, and I've been noticing this a lot, and also in my area as well, that shops are slowly opening up in-person paper play. And I know that people are also participating either in or outside of shops in-person play. Um, And that makes me a little nervous. (laughs) Just a little nervous. I know for a fact that YC has come out and said that they still have suspended all sanctioned play in all WPN locations through at least this next month. Um, So even with the United States getting fairly close to what could be considered, you know, uh, vaccination. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, first off, Canada is nowhere close. I think uh, locally we're barely over 30% here in Manitoba. And well, uh, not to put too fine a point on it but our, our case numbers are exploding this week it's uh, not good um it, it, real real bad and so it, it would be beyond the pale for us to even be thinking about going back to in-store play here mm-hmm. on the other hand there are some areas of the united states where the vaccinations have gone very well and covid by and large really isn't present anymore and so i could sort of understand getting back into in-store play and what that might look like because i think we're not going to see the big, you know, 80-person 5K tournaments be the first things to come back. I think the first things that we're going to start seeing come back are things like book-ahead commander pods. Exactly. Book-ahead draft pods Mm -hmm. where only the eight people are going to be in this section of the store Mm -hmm. and no one else is going to go over and talk to them and you got to stay by yourselves and the whole nine yards. And it's going to be mass on and things like that. Or at least I'd hope it'd be mass on. My concern is is that there's going to be individual proprietors that see that the other people in their areas aren't opening back up or aren't doing things, and they're going to try and steal a march. And I really hope that at least our listenership, if not the general folks in the hobby, can say to not only themselves but to realtors, retailers rather, we don't want to risk this. We finally got this licked. Why would we risk not opening fully here in another month or two to get in some games today? And I think that's where a lot of folks are kind of stuck right now is because I think a significant proportion of people are safe, but there's the everyone else that isn't yet that we need to be careful for. And uh, there are a lot of people in my area who um, don't really understand what vaccines really do. Um, or the huge health benefits that they have for thousands of people. Um, and so there are people who I know in my area aren't receiving uh, the vaccination. Um, and so for me, that is concerning because I know that there are going to be people who um, 
you know, we have people married who don't wear masks and that's just going to add up. I can definitely see that happening, a small spike. And I definitely think that when things open up again, we're going to see a small spike um, and some stuff. And even as somebody who is, I'm vaccinated, I got my first dose and I'm getting my second dose in five days from now. Um, I will still be wearing a mask just because for me, it gives me that personal feeling of safety. And I also feel like um, it shows to other people that I also want to protect them. And I also just feel like it's just important. You know, we're, we're still in a, in a place of, of the unknown, even with a vaccine literally a year later, um, we're still in a, a very fragile place. And I, I, I'm, I'm worried about that. I think fragile place is the exact right way to describe it. It's it's one of those situations where we're at more now than at any other point that we've been in in this situation, even with uh, some local places like like Manitoba last summer, for example, we basically had no COVID. We were able to do things like go see some friends as long as we were responsible about it. We were able to go outside and have friends outdoors. But the thing is, is as soon as you start doing things like that, it only takes a few people being incautious, a few people not getting vaccinated, a few people visiting the wrong folks, and all of a sudden it flares up again. And so I guess the real message here is if you want to get back to FNM Weekly, if you want to get back to going to Grand Prix and Command Fests, if you want those things, you have to keep it up until it's done. And I, I just don't see it being done in the United States for at least another couple of months. And frankly, in Canada, I don't see it being done until the fall. Uh, I was going to say that I think that we will start to see shops having sort of more in-person play um, and people feeling braver, I want to say, in the summer. Um, and I definitely think that in one year we will be seeing, um, I don't even know what to call them, pro tours, SCGs, PTs, GTQs. Uh, msrps i don't know whatever they are i don't know i really don't understand that concept of magic whatever the letters are we're gonna see events i think in a year that 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 can be its old and whole episode maybe we'll talk about that next week <laughs> i don't understand it i i guess one of the things that's sort of flown under the radar vis-a-vis that is that i don't know how many people actually know this but channel fireball events went bankrupt they as far as i'm aware they just don't exist anymore oh, i forgot about that yeah, and Channel Fireball themselves is getting out of the single selling business to become a uh, sort of TCG-like uh, service where they act as a broker and, you know, back-end for other vendors. And so I don't know who's going to step up and take on Magic Fest. From everything I heard through the grapevine about it, the contract that uh, Channel Fireball Events won was not very lucrative and did not set them up for success to say nothing of what happened this past year. And... I don't know what Wizards is going to take a look at and see. Are they going to look at Arena's popularity and say, we have to translate this back into paper to get everything together, to have a cohesive and holistic environment? Or are they going to say, Magic's an eSport now, get used to it? If they say that, I'm honestly going to be very disappointed. As somebody who does not enjoy uh, standard, modern, pioneer, historic, whatever, I don't even know. Um, I don't play arena i tried to Mm -hmm. and it wasn't super fun for me um but i liked going to events because i was able to meet people and play inside events and i thought those were really fun um so for me it's the social aspect that i would would be very sad about and so i think that that's what i mean is i think we're much more likely to see command fests come back than we are to see 
magic sign me up who do i who do i who do i fund i still got my stimulus check i can i'll fund (laughs) this i'll do it i i think it might take a little bit more than the stimulus check i mean you don't know in any case folks uh, i think we're coming up on all the time we have for this week but i just want to round off with one last point which is if you get offered a vaccine and don't have a doctor giving you a reason not to take it please take it the sooner we get shots in arms and the sooner we can all get back to living our lives the way we want to have some compassion for your fellow people, especially the ones that are living with, uh, you know, diseases or circumstances that make the last year and a half real scary for them. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of folks out there that have essentially had to live like hermits to stay alive. And, uh, you know, if not for yourself or, you know, your own safety, try and try and think about what they're going through and help them out a little bit by taking some smart actions yourself. Any case, uh, Chase, anything you want to say before we get around to signing off? Yes, I say uh, be kind, wear a mask, and uh, definitely check out the uh, Commander 21 Precons because I think they are worth the pickup. I definitely think so. Um, as the coolest uh, host of Sky 7, I want to say thank you for listening. My name is Chase, also known as Manic Curves. I'm a Commander content creator, and I stream collaborative deck building Paper Commander on my Twitch channel, which is Manic Curves. And I also write articles for TCG Player about uh, deck building, so you should definitely check it out. And as the deepest voiced host of this podcast, I'd like to say my name's Spike Feeder Alex. You can find me on Twitter along the same name, and you can find all the great Spike Feeders content. I almost said Twitch instead of Twitter, so that's my <laughs> bad. So it's Twitter. Uh, you can also find all the great Spike Feeders content myself and our group puts together on YouTube and on Twitch under the Spike Feeders. Uh, I gotta say, Alex, that you are a liar, that I am also the deepest voiced uh, host of Sky 7. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Chase really brought a game there, but we're going to have to sign off with a deep and soulful. Have a great week, and thanks for listening. Some production provided by Spike Feeders Radio. If you have questions, concerns, conniptions, comments, or just want to have something featured on this show, be sure to send it to scry7 at gmail.com. Or just add us on Twitter at scry7.